Hello, hello, and welcome back to Fact of the Matter, our weekly podcast where we talk about music, entertainment, arts, literature, sports, politics, language, fact, fiction, basically a whole lot of everything under the sun for your listening pleasure. We will rumble through anecdotes, make fun of what someone else has written or talked about. We'll act very knowledgeable about words, phrases, syntax, and ruthlessly pass strong and frequently very asinine opinions about stuff we have basically no idea about. So sit back, relax, and for the next half an hour or so, try and enjoy the ride. So who are we? I'm Ratin Basu, a sports media professional, trivia enthusiast, and a gluttony expert. And my doubles partner today is uh, Joy Bhattacharya. Quizzer, orator, writer, sports producer, one of India's finest exponents on the old computer game civilization, and a self-proclaimed expert as well on Russian tanks and Russian tank tops, especially the latter from Siberia, where they are as rare as Garrett Southgate's uh, very strong waistcoats, which are a massive fashion statement. Now, I want to share something here today. Since Joy's life is normally an open book, as he claims, every week I shall strive to introduce new areas of his vast and nuanced you know, fount of knowledge. As you know, he's very, very humble, doesn't like to talk about it himself, and I will try and do this every week. So every week you'll get to hear new, new, new ideas and new thoughts behind Joy's brain. Anything to say, Joy? Nothing except that, you know, the one time that I did agree with you or I do agree with you is about civilization. And I remember there was a point at which I'd just done a freelance assignment and I was free for 10 days and I was alone in Delhi. And I'd wake up at nine o'clock in the morning, eat some breakfast, and play civilization till 12 o'clock at night with just breaks for lunch, dinner, and food. So, wow. yeah, it's one of those things that yeah, I was completely, completely crazy about. But, yeah, it's not something. So, when my son, you know, plays computer games and I look at him and I want to go and say something to him, then I think about what I used to do. And I said, it's okay. I shouldn't be calling judgment. I see you are definitely avoiding Siberian tank tops. But maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave it for a, a, a later portion of this program. So, okay, uh, like always, um, we will uh, first try and give you an idea of what we are going to do. This week, we will indulge in some cross-border chit-chat to begin with, and I hope you like it. And uh, we will then try and understand this true story, as always, behind some lively news items. Joy has some. I will also bring in a very, very exciting story. Then, if you all survive, Till then, we will go on to trace the origins of a couple of interesting phrases and words which we tend to use in daily language. And like always, end with Bare Naked Lies, a special section where we ask each other one very relevant question and try and lie convincingly uh, and, and try and fool the other person while we are at it. This week, we also have a very, very special and new section. This week, we will leave you with a quiz question right at the end of this program. You can reply with the answer you can guess and if you know the answer even better to this brand new email address factofthematterindia at gmail.com i repeat factofthematterindia at gmail.com please add a subject line which says quiz answer episode two otherwise i might think this is a spam and actually delete it uh, we would love to hear from you and if you have suggestions feedback topics of interest this is the same email address where you can write in to us. So please send in your answers. And without any further delay, we move into our main discussion for the second episode, the cross-border chit-chat. So what is this all about? I don't want to share anything more. Over to you, John. Thanks, Ratin. And uh, 
Well, this week we had some sad news. We lost one of our titans, Yusuf Khan. We used the name Dilip Kumar. He was one of our greatest, greatest actors. And uh, we just recently lost him. He had a long and extremely illustrious career. But one of the interesting things about him was where he was born. Dilip Kumar was born in a place called Kissa Kahani Bazaar in 1922. And Kissa Kahani Bazaar is in Peshawar. It's in a bazaar in Peshawar in the northwest frontier province of what we now call the Khyber Pakhtunwala province. And for some reason, that place seems to breed actors out there. Because very close by to Dilip Kumar's house is Raj Kapoor's house. Raj Kumbur was also born in exactly the same area. And not only were those two out there, Shah Rukh Khan's father, Meetaj Muhammad, was also in that same area. He grew up there. And then he decided, because he was a Khudai Khidvatkar, he decided to move to India in 1948. So I love the fact that one small bazaar, one small market in the Northwest Frontier province has actually given us three superstars of the Indian screen. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned Kissa Kahani Bazaar, and I remember this um, uh, reading somewhere that apparently that place got its name because of the positioning of Peshawar uh, at the at the edge of the Khyber Pass, right? And there was a lot of trade happening from the West and the East, which would come through the pass. And apparently uh, at that place, there would be people whose only job was to talk of various stories. I mean, you have to remember in those days when there were no newspapers or television or social media, uh, these were the, you know, sort of wandering, uh, you know, minstrels or troubadours or whatever you call them. And they would actually relate stories, whether true or false, nobody knows, but they would apparently draw or attract huge crowds uh, on their own and talk for hours. And in return for narrating a story, they would ask for either drinks or food, or if you're lucky, some money and uh, would happily go by. So yeah, good to hear Kissa Kahani Bazaar once again. And uh, well, talking of cross-border chit-chat, uh, and since you mentioned uh, how Dilip Kumar came from Peshawar and then became a, you know, a, a living legend. And uh, it's, it's very sad uh, that he's now no more with us. Uh, living legend, I have to say, across India and Pakistan, across, across both countries. Um, there is another interesting story I found about the company Mahindra and Mahindra, which we have all heard about. Now, it was established in 1945 as Muhammad and Mahindra. And the reason is there were two brothers, Kailash Chandra Mahindra and Jagdish Chandra Mahindra, along with Malik Gulam Muhammad, uh, this company was formed. And it was founded as a steel trading company in Ludhiana in October 1945. But um, after India gained independence uh, and Pakistan was formed, uh, Malik Gulam Muhammad decided to emigrate to Pakistan and he acquired Pakistani citizenship and then basically uh, you know, left his stake in the company, which got renamed to Mahindra and Mahindra. And incidentally, in 1948, uh, the same person, Malik Gulam Muhammad, became Pakistan's first uh, finance minister. So very interesting uh, history behind a company like Mahindra and Mahindra. It's so amazing how all these things tie up together. So I, while you were talking to me about Malik Gulam Muhammad, I want to tell you about another man, a chap called Mohammad Hashim Premji. And obviously, wow. we, you know who I'm talking about, whose father I'm talking about. He incorporated the Western India vegetable products, which is how Wipro gets its name. It used to basically make cooking oil under the name sunflower and it's to make a laundry soap called 787. So that's what they do. But Jinnah met 
Mohammad Hashim Premji and was really interested in him becoming a Pakistani citizen. And Premji said, look, I'm not interested. I do not want to become a Pakistani citizen. I want to continue in this country. And word has it, because we never know what the real truth is, Jinnah actually offered him a place in the cabinet to serve as finance minister. Wow. So I was just thinking that if you're thinking about it, <laughs> this is the guy he might have asked to become finance minister. Right. And we know the guy who actually ended up becoming finance minister the because first. he decided to go. Correct. Correct. So it's fascinating how these things happen. And uh, talking of uh, Jinnah, I can tell you that there is another very, very uh, strong India connection. Um, you know, we've all heard of Nusli Wadia, Bombay dying, etc. Now, Nusli Wadia's maternal grandfather was Muhammad Ali Jinnah, the founder of Pakistan. And uh, his maternal grandmother, Ratan Bhai Petit, was born into, you know, two of the most elite Parsi families of India, the Petit Tata family. And, uh, you know, his, uh, Nusli Wadia's mother, Dina Wadia, married a Parsi Mumbai industrialist called Neville Wadia at the age of 19 which uh, apparently her father, Muhammad Ali Jinnah, did not like. And then after partition, she decided to stay back in India. And uh, Nusli Wadia today remains, I think, the only living descendant of Muhammad Ali Jinnah right now. So that's, that's another uh, uh, Jinnah connection. Uh, these are beautiful. And, you know, this whole partition thing, and I think we've reached a stage where our generation, the last generation for whom partition is relevant at least we know people who are involved in partition and it you know one of the loveliest things i've seen recently is a couple of years back google made this beautiful film about cross-border you know the relationships yeah. cross-border relationships and in that film the guy they had is an old pakistani man the man they had featured was ms satyu and wow. ms satyu is this indian director and which film is he famous for he's famous for this film called garam hawa which is possibly one of the finest films made in partition. So, you know, Correct. you see those little hat tips sometimes. And, you know, if you're a, somebody into this kind of trivia, it just gives you such a kick. It was a what, lovely touch from Google. Wasn't Garam Hawa based on a Ismat Chuktai novel? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think. It's a, yeah. it was based on an Ismat Chuktai story, which I think story. Sorry. He, yeah. he actually asked for the story to be written. I think MS Satyu asked him to write the story. And in fact, MS Satyu's wife, that is Shama Zaidi, she also contributed to the story. So it, I mean, Brilliant. all that came together, but what a story it was. What a film. Well, thank you, Joy. That was excellent. Um, and with that, we end the first section of our episode today. Uh, Cross-border chit-chat. Hope you liked it. And we'll seamlessly move into the next part, which is going to be some incredible news nuggets mined by Joy in a section I would like to call Weird News by Joy Bhattacharya. Uh, Ratan, I just want to tell you, this is not just a story I read about yesterday. This is a story that I've been following avidly over the last five years. It's been, a you know, for me, investigative journalism at its best. I feel literally like the Washington Post when they were chasing the Watergate scandal. This <laughs> is about the alcoholic tribe of rats in India. Okay. And wait, let me tell you where the story starts. In 2017, 200,000 liters of country liquor have been drunk in Patna, Bihar. Okay. okay. And there's an established that, and they've been told that these rats are there, they're drinking off the liquor at heavy levels. Now, you know that Bihar is prohibition. From there, the rats moved and they go all the way to Bareilly. Okay. And Bareilly in 2018, a year later, a thousand liters of liquor has again been drunk. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the containment was there. The superintendent of police said that inquiry has been ordered, but it is almost definitely drunken rats. And further on, they moved to Eta district in UP mm-hmm. and they drink some 2000 liters of liquor there. And in 2021, I have to give you the bad news. They've reached the borders of the capital. They've reached Faridabad. In Faridabad, they've drunk 1,459 cartons of seized liquor. And 30,000 more liters were discovered in April 2021. I have a so, question. I have a very simple question. Is that the reason why uh, good quality single malt has vanished from uh, you know all the L1 uh, you know uh, shops in Gurgaon and Delhi? I mean, it, it, it could well be. It, it has vanished because we Gurgaon people cannot buy it because Delhiites are buying it in large numbers. But these rats are also to blame. Think about it. So I went and checked up. Look, I'm not somebody who does not do research. Rats can move at an average speed of eight kilometers an hour. Okay. And rats have moved. It's a thousand eleven hundred kilometers from Patna to Faridabad. Now they moved here because they need to eat as well. And uh, I also wanted to discover what is the impact of this on rats. You know, do rats get really impacted? And there is a sociological study, not a sociological, a scientific study, the consequences of beer consumption in rats, acute ansiolytic and ataxic effects in withdrawal induce anxiety. You can check it up on the net. It's written by Jason Galatek, Kirsten Molle, Polly Amber Moon, and Ian McGregor. Unbelievable. And you know what it's... Yes, and its conclusion is absolutely sure. <laughs> it says, these results are the first to our knowledge. You know, they're very proud of their results to show that rats will consume beer at levels that produce clear effects on anxiety and on motor coordination, and that will eventually produce behavioral signs of withdrawal. So rats not only get drunk, rats get addicted on beer, and these drinking rats of India is something nobody is talking about. This is the real thing people should be talking about then. I am sorely tempted to say a plague on them. But uh, in addition to that, what I, what, I, what I want to say right now for all our listeners, I hereby confer upon you the title of the Pie-Eyed Piper of Gurgaon. You are now the man holding the keys to the kingdom of rats. Joy, this is incredible, incredible news. I mean, the, the only way I can respond to this is by talking to you about a spectacular incident which I read about. A groom in Orisha reportedly recently walked out of his wedding after seeing that the girl's family did not serve mutton curry to the wedding guests. This 27-year-old man named Ramakant Patra cancelled his wedding after learning that the bride's family had not included mutton curry in the wedding feast. This incident was reported on June the 25th, occurred in uh, Jajpur district, Sukinda, and you know Patra, who hails from a nearby Keonjhar district, was to marry a girl from Sukinda's Bandhagaon village, for those who want the facts. But when the Bharatis arrived at the wedding venue, they were, you know, they were initially welcomed, but then they discovered that there was no mutton curry. And the groom's side had an argument about the mutton curry incident, and then the groom decided to cancel the wedding. And, you know... Yeah. Just, just hold on, Rathin, Rathin, just hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. I have one question for you. Why is this in this weird news story? This is a serious story and this is a serious, well thought through decision. I mean, somebody has said you're going to get mutton and you get chicken. I mean, I have seen people do worse than this. You know, you know. imagine going to Kusum in Park Street and getting an egg chicken roll instead of an egg mutton roll. 
Do you know the kind of thing that can happen to you? So this is a perfectly logical, well thought through decision. And if you remember, about a couple of years back, there was this whole video which was being shown, huh. viral video of this family huh. where they've been invited to a some sort of wedding feast, and again they saw mutton instead of chicken biryani. They got chicken biryani instead of mutton biryani, and they just pulled the whole place down. I so this is a serious, agree. serious decision. Agree with you, and I just want to say to end this that Patra, in the end. married another woman from the fulajhara village on the same night before he came home so he wanted to marry that day come hell or high water and he wanted it with his mutton now whether this second lady served mutton at such short notice that's another story and we will chase it maybe in a future episode of this incredible section of joy's amazing news facts we move into the next section of our program where we will talk about words phrases language syntax origins etc for the next few minutes so i have two examples this week and uh, the reason i have two is because there is a linkage between the two i'm going to talk of two phrases one of which has come from the english language into a indian language and the second one is the reverse or vice versa which means from a uh, indian language into english so let's start start first with the um the second one which is you you would have all heard of the word tikiti boo which means it's all right it's perfect in english now the word tikiti boo comes from possibly from the hindi word theek hai babu which was regularly mentioned by indians in the times of the british raj when people would ask them is everything all right is this is this going to happen the way i'm asking it asking you to do it etc etc and the standard response was tk babu and apparently the tk babu was picked up by the british who then got the idea of the word tikiti boo and therefore this came into uh, the english language so that's that's my first example joy are things tikiti boo with you right now yeah ratin i i love words like this i love tikiti boo and all these expressions and any one of us who've grown up even quizzing in calcutta in the 1980s in delhousie institute you will come across a hundred anglo indianisms you know everything from somebody waking up in the morning to have his chota hazri which is his sort of small tea and yes. then going to use a thunder box and of course we all know what the thunder box is that's where you make a lot of noise while you know <laughs> communing with nature or answering the calls of nature so yeah I love these. You have any more for us? Yeah, the the, the second one is the other way round, where um, a Indian word has come from an English word. So you would have all heard of a place called Bhendi Bazaar, right? A market in South Mumbai in Maharashtra. In Maharashtra, um, you know, it it traditionally occupied an area between Muhammad Ali Road and Kethwadi, and uh, you know, the closest railway station is Sandhurst Road. The closest Western railway uh, stations are Chani Road and Grant Road, which have different stories with it. um this bazaar is very popular for shopping so there are lots of antique items hardware items you can get it's surrounded by other markets bhendi bazaar but interestingly this bazaar has nothing to do with bhendi or okra which is what i had thought there are two two explanations or two sources which i which i found according to one sir george christopher molesworth birdwood what a big name my goodness it gets its name from the bhendi tree which is also called thespicia populnia in southern india very boring i hope it's not the correct uh, you know or, origin but it well could be this is what i could find but the more interesting one and again could well be apocryphal 
is to the British within the fort, the fort which is today called Fort as well. They used to call this place, this exact market, behind the bazaar all the time because it didn't have a name. And over time, behind the bazaar was used so often that the entire the entire area came to be called Bendy Bazaar from behind the bazaar. This bazaar is also very famous for its food delicacies. Uh, it's been called a glutton's guide to Mumbai's best Pohri Mohalla food joints. And apparently there are uh, also a lot of low dives in this uh, bazaar, you know, uh, one of uh, which is going to be renamed very soon as Raheem Sterling. That's what I heard recently. But anyways, that, that, was, ah, that was terrible. That was terrible, Ratin. That you were so good. I love Bendy Bazaar. I love Behind the Bazaar. You had to ruin it with Raheem Sterling. I mean, that that is so. <laughs> and then a low dive called Raheem Sterling. That was so cringeworthy. I mean, oh, guys, you know, <laughs> the educated people we are speaking to. We do we need to intrigue them on this? Okay, no, it's a good one actually. I'm going to tell you about something which I love, which is a connection between Shesha Suri okay. and Clark Cable. So Shesha Suri was really the, you know, the emperor of India between 1540 and 1545. That's literally around very, very little time, you know, just between, you know, in the time that Humayun, he deposed Humayun. Correct. And in that period, he did a whole lot of things. We know he started the Grand Trunk Road and he did a lot of things. He also introduced proper currency in India. Right. So the main coin was the Rupaya, which was a silver coin, which was used. Mm-hmm. And that silver coin, because it was so much, it was so expensive that you don't use it all the time. It used to be broken up into 40 pieces. And those okay. 40 pieces were called dams. Okay. Okay. And that means the dam was a small copper coin, which is not of much value. Right. And from there, the British used to use an expression themselves. You know, in Britain, the expression used to be, frankly, I don't care a brass fart thing. So right. that in India became... Frankly, I don't care a damn. Okay. Uh, and that expression, <laughs> I don't care a damn. Okay. That went into gone with the wind. Of course, we remember Red Butler using the dialogue, I don't give a damn. That dam comes from Shesha Suri. Very. Frankly, I don't give a damn. Yeah. Nice. And also interestingly enough, damn was also a word which they did not, it was considered profanity and the rule to allow that word to be used on screen was just passed one month before the film was released. So when this dialogue was first spoken on screen, there was quite a bit of controversy over it saying, wow, you know, Red Butler, Clark Gable is using profanity on screen. But in the, the connection between a guy 500 years old earlier and Clark Gable is just blows my mind. So just to remind our listeners, if you have any such interesting words, phrases, origins from any language, we are not, uh, you know, sort of, uh, hooked onto any particular language for this, please, please write into us at factofthematterindia at gmail.com. We, would, we will definitely try and bring this up. A big shout out to a friend of ours called Shrinivas Rao, a very senior sports journalist and reporter from Times of India, who actually um, gave me the funda behind Bendy Bazaar, Joy. So uh, thanks, Srini. And uh, looking forward ah. to, yeah, looking forward to more such nuggets from you. Uh, Srini is a good man. I mean, I'm happy that he's taken his time away from cricket to be able to find this out, but uh, absolutely fabulous. Super. Welcome back and uh, welcome to our special section, which we call Bare Naked Lies, where Joy and I every week will ask each other one question, the answer to which will be either true or false. And we will try to hoodwink or fool each other. And um, we'll see who wins at the end of the day. Last week, Joy, 
I was a clear winner, I remember, and I'll never let you forget it. Let's see if this week um, you can beat me. Let's go for it. Okay. So this week, Joy, my question for you is this. Akbar and his Navratna. We've all heard about it. The nine gems, nine people who were proficient in nine different subjects and nine different areas. Birbal being one of them was very, very famous for, you know, not only uh, proving his smartness time and again, when Akbar put him in strange and terrible situations sometimes, but also because of his intelligence, because of the way he managed to come out of every predicament, uh, the king sometimes did it for his own pleasure. Now, there was another guy called Abul Fazl, who uh, wrote the book, Aini Akbari and Akbar Nama, very famous for that. Um, Abul Fazl also, I mean, this history doesn't uh, share too much about, was also a massive prankster, uh, fun-loving person, and gave Birbal apparently a run for his money because he would pull these fast ones in front of a full court of people uh, in front of uh, the emperor Akbar himself and uh, would often, you know, sort of fool not only Akbar, but his entire set of courtiers who would be present. From Abul Fazl and his behavior, a word called Fazlami or Fazlamo has come into the Hindi slash Bengali lingo which today means that that you are behaving in a in a manner which is lighthearted, maybe full of mischief, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and sometimes you can get scolded for it. The word Fajdamo comes from Abul Fazal. True or false? You know what? I'm going to say true. I don't care. I'm just going to go for it. I like it. I hope it's true because it sounds too good. I just okay. made, I just I just made it up, Joy. <laughs> gotcha. Ah. Yes. I yes. hate you. I so I love it. You. Yes. Abul Fazal has nothing to do with Fazlamo. In fact, from what I could find, I mean, I, I quickly went back. The word probably comes from Fazel, Fazil, or Fazl, which is a male name and surname of Arabic origin, used in Persian, Arabic, and Turkish. Its general meaning is virtuous or brilliant. Um, you know, we, the fun-loving Bengalis, have assigned a new set of new meaning to it. So probably jovial, ultra-casual. I thought this Abul Latin, was. Latin, uh, Latin, I distrust every question now you've asked. In this. <laughs> Many years with the same exact expression you've asked questions. I now distrust every question you ask in a quiz because you said it so convincingly. I bought it hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> I hate you for this. Okay. 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 Bye hit, bye. hit me. <laughs> okay. If you if you discount, mm. if you discount Rome and Vatican City, because Vatican City is like inside Rome, mm -hmm. the two closest capital cities, geographically closest capital cities, and Vienna and Bratislava, obviously, which is just 55 kilometers apart. That means the, literally the Vienna and Bratislava are, you know, almost their suburbs touch each other. These are the two closest capital cities to each other. If you discount uh, Vatican City and Rome. I, I mean, it could well be true that the two cities are close, but Bratislava is a capital. I'm somehow thinking... Uh... Yes. Yes, it is. It is a capital. I promise you that. Okay. Bratislava is a, it's a capital of Slovakia. All oh, right. Got it. Yeah. 
I always get confused with that region. They have broken up so many times. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yes. I would go with true. I'm taking a punt. Ah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah, okay. Very interesting. Frankly, huh? that is frankly my dear. Vienna. Frankly, my dear, I give a damn in this case. Yeah. Tell me. Okay, Vienna and Bratislava are very close to each other. The funny thing was, for a long time, they were divided by the, you know, during the Cold War, because, you know, Bratislava was Yugoslavia and Eastern Bloc, mm-hmm. and uh, Vienna was obviously Austrian Western Bloc. But the closest capitals to each other okay. are of two countries that have a combined population of 110 million, and yet the capitals are just eight kilometers apart. Wow. Brazzaville and Kinshasa. Oh, or wow. on two opposite sides of a river. The right. Democratic Republic of Congo and the Republic of Congo, they're on the two sides of the river and right in between them, that river is just five kilometers equidistance and you have two capitals literally on two banks of the river facing each other. The river, of course, in question is the river Congo, also known as the Zaire River. Oh, fantastic. That, that's nice. Okay, this week I think we... We share honors, as they say, and uh, both of us have managed to fool each other successfully. And with that, we come to the end of our second episode. But before we go, as promised, we have a special treat for all of our listeners, uh, a special question. So every week we'll end with one question, which we ask you guys to uh, try and answer. And please send your answers with the subject line quiz episode two. Uh, to this email address factofthematterindia at gmail.com and our question this week is the following from which country or language do these three Hindi words originate from? Korma as in the dish Nani as in grandmother and Bawachi as in chef or cook once again from which country or language do do these three Hindi words originate? Korma, Nani and Bawachi Send in your answers, as I said, to factofthematterindia at gmail.com and we will talk once again with new ideas, new subjects and new topics very soon. Thank you and bye-bye.